All right. Thank you for that. Taylor, appreciate that. I always stop and think when I got saved, it talked about a, uh, a trembling soul. Just thought about that night I was under conviction and and the Lord was dealing with me about my sins and it was about salvation. And um, there is a sense of fear in your heart, um, especially if you know anything about um, uh, I don't know about you, but the night I got saved, we got to be careful in our preaching often. Uh, I don't know if I heard it preached. I don't know where it come into my mind. But I was afraid that night that that was going to be the night that if I rejected Christ that I'd go to hell on my way home and God kill me. The last time He ever dealt with me. Now that may or not may be true, but who knows that? You know, so I, I, I don't know who. To, but I'm telling you, there was some fear in my heart. God had dealt with me, and I'd rebelled and rebelled and rebelled. And this much we do know: tomorrow's promise to nobody. So I mean, in that sense, I guess it's true. But um, uh, I thank the Lord for the numerous amounts of time His long suffering towards me uh, that He dealt with me. I just wish I would have uh, gotten saved sooner than I did. And uh, put down my rebellion a lot sooner than I did. Uh, but um, anyhow, I'm thankful for, to be saved tonight. Thankful to be here with you. Um, I've got something a little bit different tonight. Just a little strange in the sense of how I normally like to do things. And um, so you pray for me. We're going to turn to a lot of verses. And I'll try to do it quickly as I can. As I promise to get you out of here. Uh, I don't want to put anybody in jeopardy traveling home tonight. Um, and of course it said 9 o'clock and then somewhere around 6.30 the weather said by 7 o'clock it's going to start snowing. So I, you know, I did the best I could. Uh, but anyway, God will take care of us, right? And uh, so I'll do my best to do that. You pray for me. But um, I want to look at something tonight, just a subject. I generally like to go through one set of verses and do it that way. But I have something more topical tonight that I want to kind of look at what the Bible uh, teaches on a matter. And I'll read several verses to you so that you don't have to turn to all of these. Um, but I, I want to start out on the outset and mention a verse um, uh, that was was on my heart in Psalms 133 verse number one said, "Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity." And um, and certainly we know that that's true. We are exhorted in the New Testament, uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Um, and um, so we know being. Um, taught in the scripture uh, that the Lord is again here it's just mentioned as the psalmist said how uh, pleasant and good that it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity and um, that's very important because as one man said you know a grain of sand by itself can do nothing it's not a whole lot but if it stands together with other uh, grains of sand it can uh, hold back the oceans and, uh, and so that is a, a way of saying that we're, we're stronger together, right? I believe the scriptures teach that out in the church age, even in the church dispensation, that the enemy is battling against the church, right? And, um, and that we are stronger together. And so he exhorts us to maintain unity. And uh, of how many times in the New Testament does the Bible use one mind together? One accord. Um, those are all that same idea of unity. 
And uh, so if unity is so valuable, if it's so pleasant, if it's so beautiful, if it's so wonderful to the Lord, where do you think the enemy might try to attack us at? Unity. Right? People always say, uh, we're always uh, trying to warn off against adultery or against fornication or against these things, and that's good. Uh, but let us not forget that uh, I think one way in for the enemy, uh, if you've heard it said that a chain's only as strong as its weakest link, then it seems to me like the devil's going to try to weaken one of the links uh, and we, thereby weakening the whole chain. And, uh, and so he does that, and that's why the Bible says, Wherefore, uh, you know, your adversary is a roaring lion, roaring about seeking whom he may devour. And you've heard it preached how vulnerable it is to be isolated and be brought apart. So you're stronger together. I think we can all come to that conclusion. Um, that was an Old Testament verse. I'll be in the Old Testament, some in the New. Uh, but that's pretty much maintained throughout Scripture, even under the nation of Israel, uh, under the law even, you know, that's maintained through Scripture. Um, I'll read this verse to you. Most of us know this and can quote it. The book of Ecclesiastes says, And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. And so this is why unity is so important because the enemy is trying to break in. Uh, A house divided, Jesus said, against itself shall not stand. And uh, so these are just uh, very uh, few verses that we'll look at uh, to take a look at the strength that's in the unity of the church. Uh, And uh, that was one uh, uh, area that Paul, when he mentioned, a lot of people use this term carnal Christians. And they'll use that to refer to somebody who's not living a holy life, let's say. But really, he called them carnal because there was divisions among them, right? He said, are you not carnal and walk as men? He wasn't calling them carnal because they were drinking beer on Friday night and Saturday night, right? He was calling them carnal, which is what we would do. That's the way we generally use the term. He was calling them carnal because there was strife and division among them. And he said, you're carnal and you walk as men. And so um, that is just something I want to look at and we have to be careful of. So I want to start in the book of Proverbs in chapter number 6. And uh, just begin slowly looking through and getting as many of these verses in that we possibly can. uh, And talking about how important it is uh, to maintain the unity. And so rarely will the enemy come against the whole group. Generally, he'll try to get into your mind. And so he'll try to get to you privately. And if he can weaken you, uh, then he can break the strength of the cord. Right? And so, but if you stand together as three, that's not easily broken. That's what Ecclesiastes was giving us a picture of, uh, uh, of that strength in unity. And so it is something we have to constantly endeavor and work at to maintain because the enemy's coming against us. And so no doubt we've declared that we're, we're going to have this time of revival uh, coming up, uh, let's see, the 15th of April. And uh, so no doubt the enemy would like to do nothing more than to stir up some division and strife, wouldn't it? And some cause some division. And it can happen to any of us. Say, uh-uh, not me, preacher. Uh, I would never do anything to be divisive or cause strife in the church. You're crazy to think that. 
All right, any of us can have it. How do you know that? Ecclesiastes again, it said go something of this, and I won't quote it exactly, uh, but it said uh, basically don't, uh, don't hear all the words that are out there lest you hear your servant curse you. I believe that's chapter 7, I can't remember it exactly. And he said, for you know in your own heart that you also have cursed others. So what's he saying there? He's saying there, uh, really uh, um, take heed, uh, and uh, when you just like when we're exhorted to restore one another, and we do it a spirit of meanness, considering ourselves, because we could be the very same way, right? And so we have to be careful. Any of us could get to the place that the enemy gets in and causes division, and he uses us to do it. So we all have to be on guard against that. So in, in, in the book of Proverbs, in chapter number 6, we'll begin to look. I titled this man, if you'll start with me, uh, in let's say verse number 12. We'll start um, and look just slowly at this and then we'll look at several other verses. But I titled this man here, A Spiteful Man. And um, that is a pretty accurate description of the person given to us in Proverbs chapter number 6. And so we'll begin to just look carefully at the words that are used and um, start in verse number 12 of Proverbs chapter number 6. And I'll go just as slow as possible. A naughty person. Now words change some in our English language and um, we know now if you use the word naughty person, generally you would be speaking about something else. But here, that verse is meant a wicked man, an ungodly person. That's what is meant by that. Um, uh, it's a nice way that you would call a, uh, a heathen little kid. They're a naughty little kid. No, they're little heathens, what they are. They need the devil beat out of them. Now, that's just the way I talk. But the, the, the Bible's a lot more uh, clear in what it's saying, and it says a naughty person. So uh, that's representing here a, an evil person, a wicked person, an ungodly person, a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh, and that used in parentheses there, uh, almost like you would do if I was saying my wife, comma, Amber, comma, comma. Uh, so a wicked person, and I believe it's defining itself there. But anyway, walketh with a fro. So I want to look at this word forward here just for a moment and just quickly look at what the Bible says about this word forward. You'll see this word used several times uh, in the New Testament. It's not used as much in the New Testament. Uh, it means torturous, a torturous person. And it's referencing your master. Uh, I believe it's talking about in that sense in which a servant is to obey his master even to the forward. Even to those that are just torturing you, you're supposed to humble yourself and obey them and be a good Christian and be a good worker, right? That's very hard to do. But that's really the only time it's used in the New Testament. It's used often in the Old Testament, this word, this word froward. So a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. So froward is the opposite of toward, T-O-W-A-R-D. Right. This is uh, this is the opposite. Uh, let me let me put it this way. This this mouth is always going against the grain. This mouth is going in the wrong direction. This is not a mouth that's for things. This is a mouth that's against everything. 
Right? It's froward. It's always finding some kind of fault and negativity and some kind of hurtful thing to say about something or somebody. They just can't help themselves. And, uh, and that's what is being described here with this person. A wicked person walketh with a froward mouth. So instead of toward, uh, this is the perverse. This is the froward. Uh, this is not someone who is speaking unto themselves in songs and spiritual songs, admonishing one another. Uh, this would be somebody that's always trying to tear down everything as opposed to edifying everyone, right? So if the toward mouth, if the right way would be to have your speech be seasoned with grace and seasoned with salt and be speaking to the edification of the body, then the froward would be just the opposite. No grace, no salt, and no edifying. It's destructive. This person's mouth is destructive. And, um, and so we have to take it in its context now and remember uh, that this is referencing a wicked man. And so all of us can do one of these things. All of us can get to a place where we uh, spout off at the mouth and say something that we shouldn't say. Somebody better say amen to that. Don't leave me hanging up there. Everybody can have a sense in which sometimes they get, and that's why you have to watch yourself. Because that negativity, that thing that you get, that chip on your shoulder, can grow into bitterness. And then you can't open your mouth without talking about it. You can't open your mouth without talking about somebody. They're just, uh, this, uh, this, but this person is a person that is not just one time they get upset and they say something they shouldn't and they repent of it and they, Lord help me, I shouldn't have done that. This is a person whose mouth is froward. They are constantly going around bashing and being negative and talking against everything. They can find nothing good to say. They're not preferring one another above themselves. They're not, they're not going around saying, boy, Tyler, done, you should have heard that uh, little lesson he gave this morning. Boy, it was good. What they're going to do is just find the one thing they could have said. Yeah, but his shirt tail wasn't tucked in. Now, I'm just using examples. Nobody in here did that. I'm just using an example. They, instead of saying anything positive, they just always got something negative to say. This is a froward mouth. This is a, a person that is just, and none of us need to get to that. All of us could get there if we're not careful. Don't let yourself get to the place where your mouth just gets full of bitterness and strife and contention and negativity. I mean, I, there is some people, I honestly, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When they come around, you hate to see them coming because you know they're going to say something to tear somebody else down. And you really don't know how to deal with it. Because you know in some ways you don't want to hurt them. You don't. I find it very difficult sometimes, especially if they're older than me, because I'm a young man and I don't want to rebuke an older person and it makes you feel funny and you don't know what to do. And, but yet you don't want to listen to it too. And it's just like, man, if I could just avoid them, that would be a whole lot easier. But this person, this wicked person is being referenced here. They have a froward mouth. They are, and so let me, uh, let's say for instance, if the Bible's talking about us needing to come together in unity and being of one mind and of one accord, uh, and we need to sow those cords of unity. If, if we need to, uh, if you think about a rope being sewn together and you take one strand by itself, right? I'm just, this is very simple. It couldn't hold that much weight. You tie two together, it can hold quite a bit. You hold three together, you can tow a pickup with it. So when those Fords get stuck out there and you're in a Chevrolet, you got your three-foot cord, you can pull them up out of the ditch. Come on, that's got to be funny to some of you. Unless you like Fords, and I guess you're mad now. 
Right? You know what I'm talking about. And so what it's picturing here in the church when he wants us to be in unity, it's like he wants us to be woven together that way. And so that the enemy can come across, can, can uh, give it, get a stronghold in and find a way in. And we'll get into some verses, but there's some verses that use the word breach. And uh, we'll look at some of these verses, but there's verses that talk about the enemy's looking for a way to get into Harriman Baptist Tabernacle or Calvary Baptist Church or Faith Baptist. He's trying to get into churches any way that he can. And if we're all in unity, standing together of one mind and one accord, he finds it very difficult to get in. But if you, if we begin, and that verse began, I want to get to it too quickly, beginning with strife and contention, it opens up a breach there. And it allows the enemy now a place to gain a foothold in. And so you're upset. And so you find a person to vent to and you don't get the reaction you wanted out of them. So you find somebody else and you feel their earful and you don't like the reaction you got out of them. And then next time you go, and the next thing you know, you're walking with a froward mouth. Everywhere you go, you've got something negative to say. And usually it's about somebody. Right? Usually it's against something or somebody. Usually it heads up in one point that it just seems like that person, they just can't let it go. Everywhere they go, they have to say something negative about it. And that's, that, that happens, and that's uh, where it begins to defile many. And so we have to be careful. Using that verse in Ecclesiastes, I am not promoting or approving of anybody venting. But I think what he's saying there is all of us have, been, have a problem and it's right here. Everybody in here has a problem with their mouth to one degree or another. And, uh, and so that doesn't make it right. That doesn't excuse any of our uh, behavior. Uh, but it does help us to understand human nature. And it helps us to understand our vulnerabilities. And so where your eyes may be a problem, you may think, well, I'm not lusting after anybody. Well, you better watch your mouth. Because your mouth could do more damage than your eyes can. Right? And so some people, uh, they, they get everything else took care of, and then the last thing they try to work on is their mouth. I think we ought to start there, don't you? <laughs> if that's the most destructive, I think we need to be careful with our mouth. And, uh, uh, and so uh, what can happen to tear down that unity? This froward person, if, we're so, if, if the proper way is to sew together unity of a threefold cord, this person is sewing in the wrong direction. They're sewing discord. They're going the wrong way. They're unraveling the cord. So what they're doing is, and I'll read you some definitions that men a lot smarter than me gave, but they're, they're planting seeds of discord. And it, it, you don't know what that's going to grow into. When you plant a tree, you, you, know, you know generally what it's going to be, but you don't know how big it's going to get. You don't know just how much fruit it's going to bear. And when you sow a little discord, it may tear down the whole, the whole shooting match. You don't know how big that thing's going to get. You just plant a little bit of seed of doubt and the character of somebody else into the ear of someone else, and then the devil takes that, and the next time that person does something and they get mad at them, you feel their ear full of negative things about that person, and then they react and get mad at them, and you cause them to leave the church because you run your mouth. Doesn't that happen? We've all seen that kind of stuff go on. Or how about, or how about this? 
Or how about wanting to sow discord to the degree that a, uh, that a person trying to get right with God, that you, you'll tell lies and you'll sow lies and deceitful mischief and then you, uh, uh, you, you misrepresent. Misrepresentation is the, is the parent of all of this problem. A lot of times when people sow discord, they misrepresent something that was said in order to hurt somebody else. So they'll take even a truth. It's not always lies. They'll take a truth and misrepresent it out of context in order to make that person look bad who said it. And it hurts everybody involved. So they'll take something uh, that's, uh, that, that was said and it was said in a good light. It was said in a positive light. It was said in a way to try to encourage, in a way to try to help. And they'll take it and run to that person and tell them something that was said and all that it did was hurt them. Hey, this is important, folks. Souls are on the line. And so we got to be careful what we say. And this person that is going on to be described here is so evil. They, their feet, they run to this kind of mischief. I'm appalled that people just run around. I, I have never seen such, uh, I guess I didn't pay attention to it when I was younger and I see it more now, but I'm almost appalled that, that people can't send a text message or call somebody on the phone or talk without causing some kind of division. They got to bring up some kind of something that, well, you know, she didn't talk to me when I went in there and I don't like her. I never have liked her. Can you believe that? And everybody, even, even visitors come in and they'll run to them and fill their ear full of negative stuff about other people just to stir up strife. That is so wicked. I don't even, my brain can't even wrap, wrap around that kind of wickedness. When you just purposefully, you, you live your life to just sow discord. That's what's being said. This person soweth discord. They're sowing in the wrong direction. They're not courting, they're discording. They're unraveling the cord. They take pleasure. They purposefully plant these seeds into the mind of people in order to hurt others. I'm not going to get into the intent or why that they do it or the, 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 the problems in their own character or their pride or anything else. I'm just going to say that kind of thing is wicked. And God said he hates them that sow discord. Now let's read it and, and just exactly the way that it says it. And so, Lord, help us not to ever be guilty of sowing discord. Amen. You know, I think most people, I'm convinced of this. I know my own self. And generally when I hear somebody say something, I'm in a conversation and they'll say, boy, I just, oh. I generally know what that is. They're just venting. They're just mad and they just say something. And generally they'll come back around and say, you know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'll, I'll find, you know, generally if you'll just go back around and say, hey, look, I'm sorry, I should have never said that. Most people understand it very good because they have the same tendencies and they'll have no problem forgiving you for that. Just own up to it and be honest and be, hey, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. The Bible doesn't want me to do that. God, does, that doesn't please the Lord for me to do that kind of thing. And you young people really got to watch it. You really got to watch it. Now, uh, it happens in older people. Unfortunately, uh, our nature is so vile. Our flesh is so weak uh, that it, it still happens uh, after years of being saved. Uh, but uh, especially watch it in young people. Because uh, we've got this youth group. The Lord, the Lord is really helping you young people. And he's moving in this youth group. And you know what the devils want to try to do? If he can do it in the youth, he's going to try to sow discord among you. And if he can get you mad at your brother and get you mad at him and get you mad at him, and then, man, he can just uh, kill the whole thing. And so how does he sow discord? Well, the devil doesn't do it. He uses people to do it. 
Right? So what do we have to do? Well, there's lots of things we can do. But let's read, let's read, let's continue to read. We're in Proverbs chapter number 6, and we're looking at verse number 12. Uh, uh, a naughty person, a wicked man, he walketh with a froward mouth. Can I, so can I tell you something that would serve you well? Just uh, I, the Bible talks about marking them and avoiding them, which cause divisions contrary to sound doctrine which you have received. Now, in that context, it's talking about false doctrine. But if that's true with that, can I say something about a person that's walking with a froward mouth? If you know somebody that is just all they can do, they can't open their mouth without tearing someone else down, mark them and avoid them. They will get you in a world of trouble. You'll get drug in to what is being said. Because when somebody overhears you talking bad about everybody else, because that's all, you, you can't open your mouth without running it about somebody. So you, you, you can't keep that kind of thing hidden for long. And somebody undoubtedly overhears your conversation with somebody else. When that third party hears it and they go to report it to the person you've been bad-mouthing, they're not going to make a distinction between you two. They're going to say, I overheard so-and-so saying this, and that person was standing there, and they were talking, they were talking about this. Now, you may have been on the verge of, be, of turning them around and kicking them to see the britches, but nobody will ever know. So the best thing you can do is just mark them and avoid them. And when they start going into that stuff, try to just change the subject, try to talk about something positive, try to say something good about the Lord, and avoid them if you can't do nothing else. Just stay away from them. They'll get you in trouble. I've just seen stuff constantly, just all the time. Every time they come in, they're going to text this person. Oh, uh, you, you, uh, uh, can you believe what this person did? And they're telling this person about all the, the sins that this one's guilty of. It's funny, they don't ever run and tell everybody all the stuff they do wrong. I find that so funny. <laughs> I find it sad, I guess would be the better word. But why don't you, if you're going to bad mouth and talk about people's problems, why don't you just go tell everybody yours? Leave mine out of it. Right? And so mark those people and avoid them. And so if we're going to have good fellowship, and we're going to have good fellowship, um, uh, I'm going to say it like, and I'm not going to do like Brother Sammy. I'm going to say what Brother Sammy said. Study to be quiet. Wouldn't that be a good thing to do? You'd be served well, and you'd maybe quit talking bad about people if you just study your Bible, and you'd pray more for them. It'll keep you from doing that. Study to be quiet. That's what Brother Sammy would say. He's right. And so this person that's got a froward mouth, and uh, it goes on to talk more about them. They're a naughty person. You can tell it. Can, can I say something? This, this person, they don't have anything hidden. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Look at verse number 13. They've got a froward mouth, but now look at where it shows up in their person. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. When a person gets like this, it's not hard to spot them. I'll give you a good example. You're standing there talking to somebody, and they come. this one person comes up who person A doesn't like, and that person will walk up, and they'll look at you and go, do we need the camera to zoom in on that? And they'll roll their eyes at them. How childish is some of this stuff? Boy, we need to grow up, don't we? Or how about this? They, see, it shows up on their person. When they've been bad-mouthing somebody to you, you may not know exactly, they'll look over at you and they'll go, 
I told you, see? Am I telling it right? You say, that stuff don't go on Baptist churches. Oh, you are naive as they come. Sure it does. They'll look across, the, they'll look across three aisles at the other person and look at each other and make faces. Sure they do it. Or when that person comes up, let's use this for example. Look, this is biblical. I'm preaching the Bible to you. They do it with their fingers, and then they do it with their feet. Look what they do with their feet. When that person comes up, look at the kind of disrespect they have. When that person comes up who they hate for whatever reason, unbiblically, that they hate this person, they're mad at this person, their feet tell everything they need to. They'll turn their back on them, or they'll walk away from them. See, their actions are all over them. They're disrespectful. When that person's speaking, they'll stare at the ground, won't even give them the common courtesy of looking at them. How disrespectful can somebody be? How about, does anybody enjoy talking to somebody who, uh, uh, who is texting on their phone while you're talking to them? Does anybody else want to take that phone and smash it over their head? Please don't do that, kids. That is a total joke. I think, look, I could have saved my breath instead of wasting my time talking to you. They don't have a clue what you're saying. They're just... That's disrespectful, isn't it? You kind of would get the idea if a person does you that way, they had no respect for you whatsoever. If somebody else is talking and they give them full-on attention, well, that pretty much is starting to tell, to tell a story, isn't it? They're a respecter of person. And so this person not only has a forward mouth, that every time they speak, they have to say something evil. They can't say, they can't find, they can't muster up a good word to say about anything. And I'm going to be honest with you, those kind of people bother me in churches. I, I would more welcome somebody with open arms and a pair of shorts or a pair of breeches than I would somebody with a long tongue and a froward mouth that's got nothing good to say about nobody. You can, you can trot on down the road, you and, your, you and your beautiful dress, and trot on down the road and trip over it for all I care. Is that too mean? Now, that's how Jesus treated these Pharisees. This is what they did to them, Brother Tony. This is what Jesus did. This is what they did to them. When they brought that woman to commit adultery and they caught in the very act, all they were trying to do was to find something they could get Jesus on and go run and tell everybody else about. What were they doing? They were sowing discord. Come on now, just lighten up here a little bit. If you ain't guilty about it, shout me on. Right? Am I telling it right, Brother Oliver? That's what they were doing. They wanted to catch Jesus doing something. Nobody else, but they could catch him doing it. And then they could go, Brother Tony, I seen him do it. Brother Tony, I seen him do it. You know what? Don't, don't believe that Jesus. You know what he did with the law of Moses? You know what he did? He just, he, man, he had nothing for the Sabbath. You wouldn't believe what I caught him doing on a Saturday. They were trying to just sow discord. Because then what they would do, see, when that person, when Jesus would start to teach them things and, and, and would stand up and teach and preach to them, they're sitting back there having a lot of doubt in their mind and they have no respect for what the man's saying because he's been, his character's been attacked unjustly. That's somebody that just sows discord, right? That's not a good thing, is it? Now, to tell the truth and to be honest about things, you all know how I feel about that. I, I, I'm not talking about that. You know it when you hear it. 
People are just fault finding and they're running to somebody, everybody that they can find to try to badmouth somebody and say something negative and how unhappy they are. And I mean, it's just over and over and over. It tells up on their person. They're disrespectful in, their, in, in, in how they treat you. They're disrespectful from their mouth. They're just, they, they cannot help themselves. It has so gotten deep into their heart. Now, here's what I do believe. I don't believe a person like this has to stay this way. Because Proverbs 4, it will talk about in a way uh, when he tells that young man to bind him about his heart. And then he'll say, put away from you the forward lips. So you can do it. You don't have to be that way. Right? You're not doomed. And so this person, uh, we, we got to go quickly. Now look, a naughty person, a, a, a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a forward mouth. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teaches with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. So again, we're not talking about a one-time deal here. This is somebody that continually, this is continual action here. They deviseth mischief. I mean, I can imagine just sitting at home and thinking about something that I can text somebody else to tell them to make someone else look bad. That's about as sorry as I know you can be. What happened to, what happened to love? What happened to wanting to edify people and build them up? What happened to wanting to help people? Hey, there is something bad. It don't take you all five. We ain't been here hardly 45 minutes, and you could find five things probably bad to say about me. <laughs> if we were all looking for something negative to say about each other, right? That's not very hard. You know what's difficult, though, is going against that and making yourself, you know what, I'm going to speak good. I'm going to say good things. I'm going to try to encourage. I'm going to try to be a help to keep the unity. I'm going to try to bind those cords back up. I'm not going to let them unravel these cords of unity. I'm going to, I'm going to do all that I can uh, to build it all back up. And when I say something about somebody, especially a brother, they should good in all men, especially in the household of faith. Now, I don't think y'all do it about anybody, but there are some marks here where he uses some words uh, about the brethren. And I think it's especially important we shouldn't do it amongst one another, right? Amen. Amen. Hey, the world's already trying to tear us down. Uh, they don't, uh, the devil's trying to tear you down. Uh, uh, certainly, I don't need you trying to tear me down in the process, right? Nor do you need me doing that to you. And so uh, uh, we got to be extremely careful. Because the enemy, and you'll look up one day and this will be you if you're not careful. This happens little by little. You don't just wake up overnight and all of a sudden you're this type of person. This just happens little by little and, and, and then before you know it, the thing's gotten bigger than you are. And so forwardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. And I've got several other things that I wanted to, to talk about, but uh, I, I want to just give you this couple of things and, and I'll let you go because it's time. Sowing is defined as planting seeds on or in the earth. The word discord means a lack of agreement or harmony between persons, things, or ideas. It represents something out of balance. When put together, the two words mean to initiate ill or corrupt thoughts in the mind of someone that can later develop in one's heart. 
They mean to create ungodly negative thoughts about someone else. To sow discord is to say and do things which cause as a group as a whole to distrust one another and begin to argue and then to fight. Sowing discord is often done in secret and by deceit. It means to foster and promote or create disagreement and bad feelings between people. And the origin of the word itself is found in music where it describes a lack of harmony. So a lack of things working together, planning ideas with a person or a group to cause conflict. That's the end of verse number 14, he soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, and suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. And I believe there, and I believe that's because um, it suddenly comes upon the person that he's been tearing down. And so I think God suddenly will let his calamity come upon him. And you think, well, I'm getting by with it. Can I say you might be getting by with it now, but if you're this type of person that is just disrespectful and froward and devising mischief continually and you walk with a froward mouth and if this is you, I believe the Bible and your calamity will come suddenly and you will be broken without remedy. Now does that mean you'll go to hell? I don't, I, I, we're, in, we're in the Old Testament here and we're talking New Testament Christian. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about down here. I believe calamity will come upon you. I've seen people uh, uh, do that kind of thing. And before you know it, things come upon them. God, God is not letting anybody by with that kind of thing. We need to be careful. Jesus said, every idle word that men speak, they will stand in the judgment and take account for. Every idle word spoken. Well, I'd hate to meet God having a froward mouth about people, wouldn't you? I know I'm going slow, but I, I mean to. Uh, and so I'm going to give you, read with me the rest of this part, and i got four minutes, and I'm going to let you go. So then look at what he turns to in verse number 16. He said, These six things doth the Lord hate, Yea, seven are an abomination. Most of us know what that means. It's detestable. It's disgusting. Would be another word to God. Unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue. When you tell something and you're going to repeat a matter, the very least you could do is make sure it's true. Don't you think? I think if you're going to be held accountable for your words, uh, that you ought to at the very least do your due diligence to make sure they're true. Don't you think? I think all of us would appreciate that. If the Bible said we would do to others, we want to do ourselves. I would appreciate There's a lot that's true you're welcome to talk about, uh, I guess, if that's the kind of thing you want to do. But goodness gracious, we don't, we've got enough true. We don't have to start making stuff up. <laughs> right? Some of you need to smile a little bit. This ain't that painful. It's a little slow, but I wanted to. I want us to think through this. This is so important. I can't think of anything more important in our church than trying to maintain unity. And we have to work at it. So when somebody's getting that way, you take that verse in Ecclesiastes, you don't consider them a heathen person, but you consider them a brother. And if you really love them, don't let them buy with it. Say, hey, brother, you know, I've been noticing that here lately. And while I understand, you know, let's, let's think about the good things. 
Think about the good things. And let's talk about the good things. It's not doing anybody any good to just talk about it with me and you. You know a good response to somebody who's going to badmouth somebody else? I'll give you the best response. Have you talked to them about this? That will usually just stop it all. Because in independent Baptist churches, that answer is usually no. They haven't. <laughs> How many years you got in this thing, Brother Reed, again? Tell me again. You've been 42 years. Is that about right? So, if, it, if somebody does that to you, you know the best thing you can do is just assume and just say, you know what, I, I tell you what, have you talked to them about this? And they'll usually just leave you alone. You won't get in on the gossip anymore. But uh, now we got to continue to go on because I could stay there a while on people just devising up evil things to hurt others and making up lies. I mean, they'll, they'll flat out lie on you. I cannot imagine just, just coming up with some random lie just to hurt somebody else, especially, especially people when people's souls are on the line. Hands that shed innocent blood. He, he's given the picture of a person. If you, if you look at it, he's talking about his look, his tongue, his hands, his heart that devises wicked imaginations, his feet that be swift running into mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. So let's read that again. These things doth the Lord hate. Seven are an abomination unto him. He that soweth discord among brethren. I don't see sodomites in there, and that's wicked. I don't see adultery, and that's wicked. I don't see drunkenness, and that's wicked. But evidently, God has some detestable language to speak about somebody that will sow discord among brethren. So let's just look at a couple of more verses here quickly. I'll read them to you, and we won't be able to turn to them tonight. We'll finish this up because, and why are you saying this, brother? Because we have to be so careful. If we're going to have revival, and we're going, this is going to happen for, I mean, uh, there's no telling how many times in a year we all need to be reminded of these kinds of things because we need to look for it in each other. If I love you, I don't want to see you get bitter at somebody, right? And I want to help you. And I love the other person you're talking about. I don't want to hear that either. So, so in both ways, I, I want to reconcile. I want to make things right. I don't want to, and so we all need to be careful also to examine ourselves and say, hey, am I this type of person? When I get on the phone with people or when I talk to people or when I see people, am I just always saying something negative about everybody? Just ask yourself. And if, it, if you are, stop it. Right? But I can't stop it. Don't you lie to me. You can stop it if you want to stop it. Right? There's a lot you can stop. It's amazing how much you can stop if you want to. Now I'm talking to saved people tonight, right? Let me read these to you and we'll go. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. An ungodly man diggeth up evil. See, somebody that's ungodly is looking for, for gossip and bad they can bring up about people. They dig it up. 
and in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer setteth, separateth chief friends. Hey, if we have to do one of these CIA covert operations about it, and we have to stay, we have to get over in the foyer, and we have to go over here privately away from everybody, and we have to talk about you. I doubt it's of God. Wouldn't you say that's about right? If it was godly, why can't you just say it out in front of everybody? Amen. Right? Amen. That's a good test, young people. If, you're, if your music you're listening to, if you wouldn't listen to it in front of the church, in front of me, then it's probably not godly. If you can't, if you can't watch that movie in front of everybody, it's probably not godly. And if you can't say it in front of everybody, it's probably not godly. Now, you know the limits in which that has to go. But for the most part, that's true. A whisperer separateth chief friends. A violent man entitheth his neighbor and leadeth him into the way that is not good. Boy, I'd hate to be a stumbling block like that to somebody, wouldn't you? A hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. That word wholesome means healing. A, a healing tongue is like a tree of life. We talked about J.C. not long ago, and you've heard me, Brother Jones, and many others mention, boy, what a blessing that he was because he would always say something kind to you. I want to have that testimony, don't you? I'd hate for God to take me out of this world and most of the people around me, all they remember is all the bad that I had to say about everybody. Wouldn't that be awful? So you know what? You can change that right now. You can stop doing that right now and you can just be less wholesome tongue and be a tree of life to people. Be an encourager, a healer, a helper. But perverseness, the out of the way, is a breach in the spirit. So if you're not speaking to edify and to heal, then this gives way to an infection into your spirit. You ever seen somebody who's got a bad spirit? You ever use that word about somebody? They just got a bad spirit. Every time they get around, they're just, they just got a, they're just negative about everything. They got a bad spirit. That's what that song about. It opened a breach in their spirit. Well, I've done too much now. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Grudge not against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. This word grudge here means to sigh, to groan, to grief, to murmur and complain against one another. And it said, brethren, don't do that against each other, lest you be condemned. The judge is standing before the door. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuking the midst of a crook and perverse nation. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and proud will not suffer. And um, I, I think we, we've got to end tonight because I made a promise to you. But I, there's on the positive side, and I'll come back to this. The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. So what can we do about all this? The first thing we can do is the old Barney Fife nip it. 
I shut my Bible. I'm going to open it back up to remind you of that. The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. That's when it starts. Therefore, leave off contention. And I, I thought about this. If you go to it's Proverbs 17, 14, you look at it tonight. But if you look at it, it uses the two words differently, strife and contention. So I think of what it's saying here is this, the beginning of strife. Once, stri- once you, have, you have sown strife between two people, it's as when one letteth out water. So therefore, what, what he says here, therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. So when there's, when there's contention there, uh, cut it off quick. Don't let it build to strife. That's what it's saying. There's so many things. What can we do about all that? Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Wouldn't that be good to do? Are you preferring one another by bad-mouthing somebody else in the church and, and, and tearing them down? That doesn't, it, it, obviously, you're not preferring them above yourself. Well, I, I think that'll be it. We've, I've, there's so much to do there, and I've, I'll give you my word, and I'm not going to do that. Maybe we'll come back to it. Maybe we don't need to. But I just think that's just some good warning. It helped me to study through all of those verses. I had to cut out. I don't know how many verses to get them on two pages that the Bible talks about contention and strife and so in discord. And any of us, don't be fooled, stand to your feet, can be used to do that. So when we see it begin to build, let's cut it off and let's be a help. I want my tongue to be a tree of life. Don't you? I want to use my speech. I want to be grace, salt, and I want my words to be healing to people. Don't you? I think that's a good thing to aim at. Lord, we love you tonight. I don't know anybody that's mastered what I'm preaching. Certainly, I feel unworthy to even preach the matter. I've been guilty myself, Lord, of letting my mouth run out in front of my head. And Lord, I'm sorry tonight for words that I've spoken against others. And sometimes, often, Lord, we don't even mean to do it. Somehow our mouth is just set on fire of hell. And so, Lord, please forgive all of us. I think everyone in this church has a desire to want to maintain unity. And it won't be easy, but it can be done. So help us to be not forgetful hearers tonight, but doers of the Word of God. Put it into practice. Help us to repent if we are guilty. Lord, help us to do better where, Lord, we need strength in that. I thank you for these visitors that are with us tonight, Lord. You've blessed our church with so many faithful members and visitors, Lord, that are encouraging our hearts. Thank you for them. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll have a verse. That'll be all right, Brother Reed, and then we'll let you go. Just give you one verse. We won't drag it out tonight. If you need to come, we'll give you an opportunity to come, okay? Bow your head just a moment, if you would. What are you singing, Brother Reed? Number 290, each step I take. Number 290, if you need to come, you come. Sing along with Brother Reed if you want to. We'll sing one verse. <clears throat> 